Tomorrow, the lovely Andrea and I have been married for 22 years and 10 months. That ought to be an interesting search for that specific Hallmark card. And now, by the providence of God, we're back in the same city where we got married, where we met each other 22 years, two daughters, four dogs, two apartments, four houses, and three states ago. And today, I love her more than then. We stood at the altar in Gateway College Chapel, crazy in love with each other, and made vows to God and to one another. Vows did not make sense then. Of course I'm going to be faithful to her and love her alone. Why would any preacher ask any groom that question? But the vows are not for the days we feel madly in love with our spouse. They're for the days we feel like we're not. They're for the days we feel like we're falling out of love with our spouse and maybe even in love with someone else. If we were writing our vows today, they would sound different than they did that day. They would sound like, I will be faithful to you and love you when your dog eats our leather chair. I will be faithful to you and love you when you leave your size 13 shoes all over the house. I will be faithful to you and love you when our girls don't like each other. I will be faithful to you and love you if an accident steals your smile from me. I will be faithful to you and love you even if Alzheimer's steals your name from me. I will be faithful to you and love you even if someone younger and richer tries to steal you away from me. Hey, good day to you, Simplify listeners. You're listening to L.J. Harry, and you're listening to Holy Matrimony on Simplify. If marriage were just one lifelong college crush, there would be no need for marriage vows or for the seventh word God gave to his people, thou shalt not commit adultery. Exodus 20, verse 14. Adultery is one of sin's major suspects when a marriage looks like a crime scene. But adultery was not God's idea. That was ours. God's idea is found way back in the beginning when it was just him, Adam, and the zoo. And it seemed like everyone around Adam had a plus one except Adam. But he would not be single for long. God helped him look for Adam's perfect helper. All right, Adam, let's see. Let's find a companion for you. How about the giraffe? Uh, too tall. Turtle? Too small. Rhinoceros? Next. Adam needed Eve. So God caused Adam to sleep so deep Rip Van Winkle would be jealous. While Adam slept, God formed a woman from him for him. When he awoke, he was amazed at the woman he saw. By the power vested in him by himself, God pronounced Adam and Eve husband and wife. With one act, God created marriage and family. The first marriage was God's perfect design, one man plus one woman for life. And as a wedding gift, God gave Adam and Eve their sexuality to enjoy within the safety of their marriage to each other and to be able to have children with each other. But God knows our weaknesses. And he knows we often want what we shouldn't. If Adam and Eve didn't make a fruit salad out of forbidden fruit, we wouldn't have to worry about the seventh commandment. But since they did, we do. And God gave us the seventh commandment to let us know we must be faithful to the one we married. But not everybody had the high view of marriage like God. Some very well-known rabbis in Jesus' day argued over marriage. Their names were Hillel and Shammai. Hillel taught the marriage covenant was fragile. It could be broken at any time for nearly any reason. According to his writings, Hillel taught a husband could divorce his wife if she spoiled his supper by putting too much salt in it, if she went into public with her head uncovered, 
if she spoke disrespectfully of his parents in his presence, if she was a brawling woman and the neighbors could hear her argue with him. And then another rabbi named Akiva came along later and taught a husband could divorce his wife if he found another woman more attractive than her. These two made the marriage covenant as fragile as fine china on the wing of a moving airplane. But another rabbi in their day named Shammai taught a husband could only divorce his wife if she was unfaithful to him. So as soon as Jesus left the carpenter shop, everyone wanted to know what this brand new 30-year-old rabbi would say. What would Rabbi Jesus teach about marriage and adultery? Would he side with Hillel and Shammai or would he side with Akiva? And Jesus surprised a few folks looking for a loophole when he raised the bar on marital faithfulness. The Pharisees and hyper-religious set the bar at its lowest level. They set the bar of sexual purity at do not commit adultery. They believed as long as they could clear that bar, they were keeping themselves pure. They could look and lust all day, but as long as they didn't act, they were pure. And yet Jesus walked up to the post, lifted the bar out of the post, raised it up a few notches, and said, You have heard it said to those of old, You shall not commit adultery. And everybody in the crowd just nodded and said, Yep, yep, we've heard that. But Jesus continued, But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Matthew 5, verses 27 through 28. Jesus set the bar at appetite, not action. Because adultery doesn't begin with the act, it begins with the appetite. Jesus wasn't impressed with Hillel or Akiva's low view of marriage. Because God designed marriage to be a beautiful, lifelong covenant between one man and one woman. No matter how many comedians make a living off of making jokes about marriage, marriage is not a life sentence. It is a lifelong covenant between you, your spouse, and God. Husbands, she is not your old lady. She is your wife. Wives, he's not your old man. He's your husband. Our world has waged war on marriage and sexual purity, but God's people must fight back, and God's people are fighting back. We're fighting back by living to have happy and holy marriages. And they're not just happy because the husband and wife are trying to make themselves happy. Neither are they happy just because neither one of them have been physically unfaithful, clearing the lowest bar. Happy and holy marriages are happy because the husband and wife keep their thoughts and their desires pure. If you're asking, can I still flirt? Is pornography really adultery? What if she's okay with me taking my colleague on a date? Your marriage is crashing into adultery. Adultery is a willful sexual relationship or the thought of a willful sexual relationship with somebody other than your husband or wife. It's not easy in our world. Our world is sexually driven. It will snow on the sun before married men and women are no longer tempted by what we see. And apparently what we see is getting more and more sensual and even vulgar. There are some things we cannot unsee. If someone is standing on the sidewalk in the summer wearing next to nothing, you can't help but see them. That's life. But when you look in your mirrors after you drive by or you drive back around the block to see them again, now that's lust. And Jesus points to the bar above where it used to be and said, lust with your eyes is already adultery in your heart. I hear married people say it with a grin, but it's not true. 
They'll say, just because I'm on a diet doesn't mean I can't look at the menu. But once we've made our choice and exchanged our vows, there is no more menu. There's no room for order envy. There's no sending back what we ordered and asking for younger, prettier, richer, taller. Thankfully, Jesus rejoices in his covenant with us, and we should rejoice in our covenant with our spouse. Husbands, if she's not your wife, don't flirt with her. Wives, if he's not your husband, don't be alone with him. Premarital, extramarital, polygamous, polyamorous, open relationships are out of bounds for Christians. If Jesus walked our streets in our day, he would preach loud against pornography because pornography can be just as damaging to marriage as a physical extramarital relationship. You cannot unsee the images and videos you've already seen, and soon you will lose respect for the opposite sex and for yourself. You'll begin to see other people as objects just to satisfy your sexual appetite rather than seeing somebody created in the image of God, one for whom Christ died. Adultery is deceptive. It may appear alluring, even exciting or dangerous, but it's deadly. Adultery is a sin against everyone. It's a sin against God. Adultery strikes at the heart of God because it strikes at the heart of the marriage covenant God blesses between a man and woman. What therefore God has joined together, let not man put asunder. When God joins a man and woman together in holy matrimony, another man or woman should not break up the marriage from without through adultery. And certainly the husband and wife should not break up their own marriage from within through adultery. After the apostle tells us how to have a happy and holy marriage in Ephesians 5, he writes, This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Our marriage covenant ought to reflect the covenant Jesus has made with the church. Believe it or not, no matter how cranky and unhappy he is, your marriage and how much you love your spouse is designed to be a living, breathing, walking billboard to show the world just how much God loves us. First and worst, adultery is a sin against God. It goes without saying, but adultery is a searing sin and sting against your spouse because adultery erodes the trust foundation on which a happy and holy marriage is built. Even if the husband and wife reconcile, adultery will cause the wife to wonder, why is he not home from work yet? It'll cause the husband to wonder, who keeps texting my wife this late? Adultery is a sin against yourself. Adultery doesn't just hurt her or him, it hurts you. You will never be the same. You'll never have the same innocence. Even if your spouse forgives you, and certainly God will forgive you from the day you committed adultery until the day Jesus comes, the devil will fire missiles of reminders of what you did long after you've repented. God forgets our sins against us when we repent, but the devil has not forgotten one of them. And he makes it his mission to make sure we don't either. Adultery is a sin against the family. One of the greatest gifts you can give your children as a couple is safety and knowing mom and dad will always be there. Adultery rips that safety at the seams. Dad, the greatest gift you can give your children is to love your wife. Mom, the greatest gift you can give your children is to love your husband. Children need safety. They need to know that mom and dad love each other, have eyes and feelings only for each other, and they will always love each other and have eyes and feelings only for each other. Adultery is a sin against society. 
Before God created the church, he created the family, and families make society. Adultery destroys families and ultimately a society. I want McKenna and Rayleigh to live in a world where marriage between one man and one woman for life is still sacred and faithfulness is still a virtue. No good ever comes from adultery. No wonder God told Moses to tell his people at that time and for all time, thou shalt not commit adultery. I want to pray right now the Lord would help us to be faithful. If you are married, that God would help you to be faithful in your thoughts and what you see and what you dwell on, what you desire. If you're not married, I want to pray the Lord would help you to be faithful and stay pure. So if the Lord plans and wills for you to be married one day, you'll be able to approach that wedding altar with no regrets. If you have already had regrets, maybe you've been married and were unfaithful, or maybe you have not yet been married but have not stayed pure, I want to pray God would forgive you and erase the guilt and the shame that comes with that and allow God to give you freedom to live today pure and holy and live the rest of your life for the glory of God. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this word you have given us in your, your word, this commandment. I ask you today, help us to keep our thoughts, our desires, the things we want, the things we dwell on, help us to keep them pure. Not just the act, but the appetite. God, forgive us, I pray, if our appetites have been forbidden fruit, anything we should not have but we want. I pray, forgive us. And I ask you, Lord, help every one of us, husbands, help every one of the wives, help us to keep our thoughts pure, help us to keep our actions pure. Help us, Lord, to love our spouse. Help us, Lord Jesus, to love them like you love them, to be willing to lay down our lives for them, just as you were willing to lay down yours for us. I pray for those who are not yet married, that you would help them to be pure in a very sensual, driven world. I pray, help them to stay pure. God, I pray you'd order their steps. If you want them to be married and you have a spouse for them, that you would reveal that and you would lead them. And I pray, Lord, for those who have already made mistakes in this area. God, I ask you to forgive them and I ask you to take away the shame and the guilt from them. Help them not to live under condemnation, but to live pure today and the rest of their days for the glory of God. Order their steps. I thank you for your mercy and your grace. You are better to us than we deserve. I thank you for that. I pray all of this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Simplify listeners. I know this is a tough subject, and so thank you for sticking with me through it. It is one of the 10 words God gave to his people, and it is one of the ways we stay right with God and with each other. Be sure to subscribe, like, follow, share. Head over to Pentecostal Publishing House and use promo code SIMPLIFY, and you can get the devotional that launched this podcast, Simplify, 52-week devotional, or you can pick up 10 words, which there's a lot more content in the book 10 words than I'm sharing here. This is just an abridged version. So if you're interested in going a little bit deeper on this topic or others concerning the Ten Commandments, you can pick up 10 words at PentecostalPublishing.com. Again, use promo code SIMPLIFY. Save 10% off your entire order. It's a one-time use promo code. So if you've used it before, thank you, but you can't use it again. Or you can head over to Paragraphs, which is a charming bookstore at the corner of South Main, East Ohio, in Mount Vernon, Ohio, and you'll find both Simplify and 10 Words signed copies. You 
my friendly, loyal listeners, have just helped all of us get over the 150,000 download line milestone. Hey, thank you so much. We're continuing to grow, and I appreciate you listening and sharing Simplify with others. Next week, I want to continue this particular topic. I don't want to just leave you with what not to do. I want to share with you some very practical and biblical ways to have a happy and holy marriage. Where are the safeguards? Are there guardrails? Absolutely. I want to share those with you next week, continuing on this topic of holy matrimony. I look forward to sharing that with you next week. And again, thanks for the 150,000. Let's keep growing. Let's keep going. I look forward to sharing that devotion and always look forward to walking closer with Jesus as we walk through Simplify.